0: You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Lynn Today's topic is entitled The Future Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today I should tell you at the outset that this program might be challenging for some, but that's for you to decide. Once a year, the Flinders University in South Australia produces a magazine called Encounter for its alumni and friends. It's sent to our home, but is intended for one of our sons who's a scientist. However, our son lives and works in the United States of America, so I have the privilege of reading the magazine for him. One of the main articles in this year's encounter has been entitled Predicting the Future of the Earth. This article is about Dr Gary Karner, who was awarded the 2018 Flinders University Convocation Medal for the Leadership and Advancement of Fundamental Geological Research and the Advancement of Professional Practice through the Development of Quantitative Basin Analysis. Dr. Kana is what one would call an Earth scientist. So, what does Dr. Kana pred- predict for the future of the Earth? And I want to share a few of his thoughts with you. He says, While the continual cycles of global cooling and warming are not new to geology, the recent rate of climate change is accelerating and one of the most immediate results will be immense social upheaval of coastal communities and entire nations living in real estate only metres above sea level. Dr Karner continues, these communities need to be resettled en masse, but to where? Already we haven't coped too well with major refugee migrations and resettlements over the past decade. Dr Karna predicts that fusion, that's radioactive, and renewable energy will become increasingly important in the future. He concluded his statement with this, an oft quoted geological mantra is predicting the future of the earth. And it's an understanding of the past. Let's hope we still have time. Now that sentence is not just a hopeful wish but I believe here Dr Carner expresses a certain amount of desperation about the future of our planet. Put in everyday language, what Dr Carner is probably saying is things are not looking too good. So is it possible to predict the future of our planet Earth? Earth scientists like Dr Karner Observe the current trends, and based on these trends endeavour to determine what the Earth will be like in the near and more distant future. Is the future bleak, or is there some hope that conditions might improve? Earth scientists and sociologists have presented articles in various publications from time to time. And most, it seems, are not very positive about conditions in this planet for even a few decades away. One gloomy prediction was that by the year 2050, planet Earth will be uninhabitable. But what does the Bible say? Does the Bible agree with the evolutionists who maintain that life on earth is moving from a simple to a more complex and more mature state? Fundamentally, according to the evolutionary model, things improve with the progression of time. But is the Bible in agreement with that concept? I want to share with you from 2nd Timothy 3 verse 13 the Apostle Paul wrote this evil men or that's evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived Paul here writing about social conditions states emphatically that there is and will continue to be an ever-increasing downward spiral. It will be from bad to worse. In my opinion it it is reasonable to assume that as social conditions deteriorate there will be a deterioration in moral conditions on the planet And with that, the spin-off will be that the environment must be adversely affected. When God made the earth, he made it good. It was orderly, productive, beautiful, and reflected his own nature and character. But with the entrance of sin and a continued presence of sin, there has been a gradual deterioration socially, environmentally, and morally. Jesus, speaking about times just prior to his second coming, had this to say, and you can read it for yourself, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 21 and 22. He said, For then there will be great distress unequalled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Dr. Karner, other environmental scientists, plus the Bible, are in agreement. There will be a deterioration of conditions on this planet leading up to the end of the earth. Excuse me, some of you might be thinking. Did you say end of the earth? Yes, I did. And I say that on the basis that Jesus himself proclaimed that would there would be an end. Matthew chapter 24 is a record largely of a lengthy answer by Jesus to his disciples to a question they put to him about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and about the end of the earth. And I recommend you read Matthew 24 for yourself and take particular notice of verses 3, 6, 13 and 14. In each of those verses is recorded that there would be an end. Verse 3 says, The disciples came to him, that's Jesus, privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Verse 6 Here Jesus is speaking. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. In verse 13, Jesus speaking again, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands to the end will be saved. And then in verse 14, Jesus is speaking again and he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In the light of what the Bible has to say and what the environmental scientists have to say, the future looks rather bleak, doesn't it? The prophet Daniel was a man of God, and God gave Daniel some dreams and visions about the future. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, here Daniel's writing about what God had shown him, and he reports this. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of trouble, or distress if you like, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitude who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. In the New Testament, there are two places where the Apostle Paul points out the horrible social conditions in the latter part of Earth's history. One is in Galatians, and the other in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5, to and I'm going to read to you from Timothy. The Bible says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of their own selves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, have nothing to do with them. Now, that's not a pleasant description of society in the last days of earth's history, but even worse, what we read there is an everyday reality in our own time. So the question remains is there any hope? Is the earth just going to deteriorate to the degree that all life will disappear just like a candle burning until it's no more? The Bible does answer those questions and I want to share with you what it has to say. Back at probably around 2000 years after creation, God gave consideration to what had happened to mankind under the influence of sin. Sin had spoiled the otherwise beautiful creation God had made, and mankind had gone off the rails. Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 to 7 describes how God felt at that time. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So if you've read the book of Genesis, you would know that God intended to wipe out the human race with a flood that covered the whole earth. But because Noah was a righteous man, God would rebuild the human race through him and his family. Just over a century later, the earth was inundated with water, and the human race, except for eight people, was wiped out. Now, what was it that caused God to take such drastic action? The answer is it was because of how mankind had become so steeped in sin that God, very disappointed that man had gone the wrong way, took action to cleanse the earth with a mighty flood. Now we're going to stop here and have a little break and go on straight afterwards.
1: When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the road is called up yonder I'll be there. Called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll when the roll is called up, yonder I'll be there. When the roll when the roll is called up yonder When the roll is, is called up yonder, I'll be there on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ arise and the glory of his resurrection share his chosen ones who gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll when the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Under, I'll be there. When the roll When the roll is called up yonder I'll be there. When the, roll when, the roll yonder, when the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called up yonder I'll be there I'll be
0: there Just before the break I was telling you about the action God took to cleanse the earth of sin back about 2000 years before Christ. But as I've mentioned and shared with you earlier, evil and sin will be widely prevalent in the future and is even now. God will soon be forced to take action again. However, After the great worldwide flood, God promised never to destroy the earth again with a flood, but destroy destroy the earth he will. Although mankind is doing a great job of ruining this planet, God will have the last say. It will be through his actions that the earth will be cleansed from sin and sinners. Despite various nations holding a large quantity of nuclear bombs, we must not fear that man will destroy the earth with a nuclear war. You see, God will destroy the earth himself. So what biblical evidence is there that God will destroy that which he created in the first place? Revelation chapter 20 has several references to what is called the lake of fire. As I understand the Bible, the lake of fire is what many people understand as hell. The difference between the lake of fire and the popular concept of hell is that hell is not hot enough, Uh, it's only hot enough I should say, to keep people toasted. However, anything that goes into the lake of fire will be completely destroyed. Revelation chapter 20, verses 10, 14 and 15 tells about the eventual destruction of the devil, sin and sinners. And here's what the Bible says And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulphur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. At the end of verse 10 is this statement, They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now that statement appears contradictory with the end of verse 14 which says the lake of fire is the second death. How can there be a second death when certain individuals and powers are supposedly tormented forever and ever? Second death means absolute and total termination of life while tormented forever and ever means continuation of life. Now, either the Bible contradicts itself, or the intended meaning has not been translated properly, or that we have, a mis- we have misunderstood the meaning. The doctrine of eternal punishment in an ever-burning hell is totally at odds with the character of God. It's also at odds with other Bible verses about sin and sinners perishing. As well as that, the doctrine of eternal punishment is at odds with the statements about God making all things new. So we have to unravel what the meaning of the phrase, they will be tormented day and night for forever and ever, means. Without going into too many details today, and because I've shared with you in some previous Give Me the Bible programs about hell, the quick answer is that the tormenting will not continue forever and ever, but the effects will last forever and ever. Now, back to the issue about the end of the world. The prophet John in Revelation 21 begins with the following, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. HE WHO WAS SEATED ON THE THRONE SAID, I'M MAKING EVERYTHING NEW. THEN HE SAID, WRITE THIS DOWN, FOR THESE WORDS ARE TRUSTWORTHY AND TRUE. HE SAID TO ME, IT IS DONE. I AM THE ALPHA AND OMEGA, THE BEGINNING AND THE END. TO HIM WHO IS THIRSTY, I WILL GIVE TO DRINK WITHOUT COST FROM THE SPRING OF WATER OF LIFE. He who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. To summarise, it simply means God will end all life and all evidence of sin on planet Earth. For the wicked, the end of the world will be final. God is going to clean up the mess, all the sin, sinners and evil, that has dominated the Earth for millennia. Just as humanity was basically wiped out at the flood, fire will cleanse the earth at the end of time. But for the righteous, there is a different story. God will make everything new. All traces of sin and sinners will be totally eliminated and God will provide a new, beautiful unspoilt environment where we will live in happiness and peace. Not only that, but God will live with mankind. My friends, you have a choice about what your future will be. If you choose to live for yourself, to live for the pleasures of this world, to disregard God and to disregard the sacrifice of Jesus made to save you, then the pleasures pleasures of this life will be all you get. However, if you choose to serve God, to honour him, to live according to his commandments and to accept what Jesus did for you to save you from your sins, you will have chosen to live in paradise forever. To me, the choice is what in these days we call a no-brainer. Friends, I've made my choice. I know what to expect in the future. And I hope you, like me, will be like Joshua of old who announced, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what will be your future? Will you be given eternal life? Or will you choose the path that leads to eternal annihilation? I really hope you choose to serve the Lord. So that's it for today. Won't you join me again next time to hear more from God's Word, the Bible? Until then, I wish you peace and the courage to make the right choice, the good choice, about your future.